Welcome into this archived episode of the original SA Talk podcast. It's your favorite local podcast host and retirement advisor, Zach Espericueta. With the changes to the original podcast and rebrand in May of 2021, the current events and interview follow-up segments were taken out of these archived episodes for easier accessibility to the interview itself. Most new listeners just want to hear the interview anyway. Keep that in mind if you hear any references made to other segments or when you hear some of the old podcast music. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Be sure to give the podcast a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and a follow on social media at SAPod Network. Enjoy the episode. So welcome back listeners. Today we have Doug King joining us on the podcast. Doug is the current president and CEO of the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology, aka SAMSAT, located at Port San Antonio. Doug most recently served as president and CEO of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. He also served as president of the St. Louis Science Center and was even the first president of the Challenger Center for Space Science Education in D.C. Before that, Doug also spent 20 years in the electronics industry. So, Doug, without further ado, how are you doing today? Hey, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And we're just so excited to have you on here. And so, Doug, give us a brief background of how you got involved with SAMSAT and how you got involved in this industry in general. Well, as Zachary said, I spent the first 20 years um, of my career in the electronics industry and was working back in Washington, D.C., had kids in a great school district there in one of the suburbs of Washington. Even with a mom who was a teacher and an incredible school district and supportive faculty and so on, we were having trouble uh, in early teenagerhood keeping the kids interested in school. It took a while to figure out there's a period you go through when there are a lot more things that you're interested in than what your parents want you to be interested in. And they get told that a lot of other things matter more. So my, my kids straighten themselves out tremendously. And I thought, gosh, if this can happen with all these advantages, uh, what are other kids doing? You know? So I, be careful what you volunteer for, because I started getting involved in several volunteer organizations to see what we could be doing about that. And one thing led to another. I met June Scobie and the other founders of the, the Challenger Center for Space Science Education and did some work for them on what that would become. They were the families of the crew that was killed on the Challenger. And instead of building a physical memorial, they wanted to continue the educational mission. You know, the teacher in space, Krista McAuliffe, was part of that flight and they were all very, very committed to it. So once they figured out uh, what they were going to do, uh, something called a Challenger Learning Center, um, they asked me to go to work for them. And I agreed to do that for two years. It's just an, an amazing thing to watch what a place like that or the activities that we do here at SAMSET or any of the other places you mentioned can do for a young person's self-perception and their goals in life. And if you can show them a pathway, once you turn on that light bulb, you can change the world. So it's been a, a, a wonderful second career. I've enjoyed every minute of it, particularly the young people that I know out there today that were affected by not me, but the people that worked with me and some of those other organizations. And so, you know, before we get too far into this interview, can you kind of give a brief overview of what the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology is and what you do for our community? Sure. We are, we started as a collection of incredible historic artifacts by our founder, David Monroe. David worked for DataPoint and helped build the first personal computer in the world here in San Antonio, five years before Apple built one out in California. Most people don't know that story, but David and his contemporaries were really leaders in this whole field of how are we going to communicate what technology is going to be available to us as individuals, not just to big companies. It's hard to remember back then that a computer was this, you know, the size of a room. They were shrinking down to be 
small enough and inexpensive enough that small businesses could use them. And a few visionaries thought maybe someday people could use them too. Nobody had at that time thought of something that looks like this, that we'd all carry one of these in our pockets and have all this information available to us at any minute, be able to communicate anywhere in the world. That's happened in my career, in the lifetime of one person. So just think what's going to happen next for the kids that are in school now. We can go back and tell that story of what happened in the last century from telegraph to radio to television to computers and so on. What's the life of the kids that are in school now going to look like? And they need to get ready. And so we're not a museum in the classic sense of, hey, come in and look at all this cool stuff. The cool stuff is here and we'd love to give the tour of it. But we're really, uh, our real mission is to involve young people in understanding how quickly the world changes and how they better get ready for the one they're going to live in. Now, SAMSAT hasn't been around forever. And from what it seems, I believe it was a merger at some point from what David Monroe had originally founded um, and all the artifacts that he collected, but then merging with Systemic, right? So I guess discuss a little bit about how SAMSAT came about. I know you talked about David Monroe, but how did SAMSAT come together and become what it is today? I'm really glad you said that because there was another group of folks uh, that grew out of the tech industry downtown, geekdom in the late 1990s, 2000, and so on, into really building a tech community here in San Antonio. And one fellow in particular named Scott Gray and several others got started with something called the Geek Bus. And they outfitted a bus to go out to schools and community organizations and take this technology message. Here's some cool things that you can do and play with and learn from and get excited and interested. And then they did follow-up programming after the Geek Bus visit. About 10 years ago, they started sending the Geek Bus out. It visited over 100,000 young people in, in schools and community organizations. And when SAMSAT started, the mission was obviously the same. And so the two organizations came together. Systemic is very much a part of us now. And uh, as soon as it's safe, the Geek Bus will be back on the road, visiting schools and community organizations and taking this message out to the community, not making people come here. And so you mentioned community and schools, but y'all do a lot more than just visit schools. You know, y'all help the school age, but y'all also have um, workforce development as well, don't you? Yeah, it's been very interesting. We've, we in this field have tended to think of ourselves as being K through 12 and that we would try to get young people interested. There's a highly technical term in the science museum business, the aha moment when visitors' eyes light up and they go, wow, that's cool. And we've concentrated over the last 10, 15 years on what do you do with the aha moment? How do you extend that? How do you get kids and parents to follow up on that? And, and the, the best way, obviously, is partnerships with teachers and schools. And so we've tended to, to work with schools, take kids up to high school and then say, go off and have a great life. What's happened now with the pandemic is fascinating. There are a lot of people out there who are already out of school or out of work who need some new skills to be able to do the jobs that are available. And so we've gotten involved with some of the training organizations and the companies that are looking for people to say, what skills do people need now? So for example, we're presenting a class now for adults called Computer Literacy for the Workforce. It's fascinating to see somebody who's 40 or 50 years old, who's never had to use a computer in their job, just wasn't that kind of job. Now looking at some of the jobs that are available where people just basically expect you to be able to do things like this or communicate or use a website or, and how embarrassed they are. It's almost like I don't know the alphabet. And after the third or fourth class, how excited and interested they are to find that it's not that hard once you cross that barrier. We've said over the years we were K through 12. Uh, we're now K through gray. We're working with the kids, parents and older brothers and sisters and so on. And I got to say, it's just as rewarding to see the impact that you can have on somebody like that. 
Now, it's clear, Doug, that you and SAMSAT want to help create a STEM workforce. You see the clear need to advocate for STEM education here in San Antonio. Why is that? Why do you feel and others feel that STEM is important for the youth here in San Antonio? Well, I used the analogy earlier, kind of like learning the alphabet. I, I don't think everybody needs to be in a technology career uh, by any means. There are wonderful things to do in arts and music and uh, in humanities. But the basics of understanding how to communicate and how to get to information and how to share information and so on involves a basic set of technical skills. And so making sure everybody has those is important. It's also really important to make sure that all young people understand that they can do those technical jobs if they want to. For a long, awful long time, people in the technical field looked like me. You know, if I looked around where I was working in Silicon Valley in the 1970s, what I saw was mostly white men. Uh, it's really important that kids see somebody that's young enough that they can identify with, uh, that looks like them, that has their, their ethnic background, and maybe even their personal economic background and say, you know what, you can do this job if you want it. We, we in the technical field need to really emphasize diversity and availability for all young people, particularly minorities and young women, to say, if you're excited and interested, here's the pathway. Here in San Antonio, us and the organizations we partner with and the Alamo Colleges and so on, it doesn't cost a lot of money. You don't have to leave and go away someplace. You can be part of this community. You do these things. You can be ready for a job or for college. And you can stay right here and help make San Antonio great communities in the future. I'm sure you've seen a ton of growth from start to now. How have you seen the community kind of resonate with what you're doing out there? And where do you see SAMSAT growing from here? I see the, the community leadership here, both the business and political leaders in our community, really talking in a very positive way about what SAMSAT can become. The other day, I listened to Jim Persbach, who is the director of Port San Antonio, point out that the port has created 3,000 new jobs here in the last three years by investing in education, not investing in incentives. So typically you think of, you know, there's a big new Tesla plant up in Austin. That's not a bad thing, but they got huge tax incentives to do that. Well, great. Who's going to fill those jobs? I've worked in, as I said, in Silicon Valley, in Seattle, uh, around the country and other technology centers. And what's typically happened is they imported a lot of people that had the skills to do the technical jobs. And it changed the community drastically. Uh, I think what we have the opportunity to do here in San Antonio is that the jobs are being created by innovative companies in cyber and information technology and healthcare in aerospace. And we need to prepare the people that already live here to do those. San Antonio is now the seventh largest city in the country, also has the biggest economic gap between the people at the high end and the bottom end. Well, this is for all people, but let's really emphasize the people at the bottom end now and say, you can be doing these jobs. And by the way, create a future community that has the vibrancy and the, and the diversity and so on that makes San Antonio a great town already. Recently in the news, we've seen some interesting developments that have come about from Port SA, some, some plans for Port SA to grow that area. Can you talk a little bit more about what's going on there? Some people have even heard about an e-arena. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I can look out my window here actually and see the construction underway. It will open a year from now. Uh, it's called the Innovation Center. It'll have a 2,500-seat arena that can be used for everything from, as, as you said, for uh, esports to concerts to big meetings and that kind of thing. It's being run by the folks who run the AT&T Center. So this will be a, you know, a, a national spot for conventions and tourism and events in the community. It will have a food court with five restaurants for the 
all the people we're visiting and the 13,000 other people who work out here. Uh, and it'll have SAMHSA. Uh, there'll be 30,000 square feet that we'll occupy with a set of exhibits and um, experiences that show people what's going on here at the port and in San Antonio in those jobs. And then the educational capability to say, and here's what you can do to get ready. So yeah, it, it's funny because I, an awful lot of people say to me, now, where are you? How far is that from downtown? Well, we're closer to downtown than the airport is. We're, we're just the other way. I can look out my window and see the Tower of the Americas. We're about 10 minutes from downtown. And a year from now, a lot of people will be coming here and be surprised. Uh, the port's just done a wonderful job. There are three new office buildings out there that I can see that are all full of people doing technology and cyber. They're great companies. Uh, there are 80 some companies out here employing 13,000 people. And Samsat's going to be in the middle of that, in the middle of the south and west side of town uh, that has a real strong heritage link to the old Kelly Airfield and the Air Force. Um, I'll never forget Ray Saldanian telling me the story that the Air Force out here at Kelly Air Base was, the, was responsible for the rise of the Hispanic middle class. Okay, well, we need to tell that story and we need to be talking about it. And in the future, there's a lot of great things that those of you who live out here can get involved in that are right here in the rest of San Antonio and the rest of the world. And so, you know, kind of tell us, Doug, if someone wants to get involved, maybe they have a, a child who's interested in STEM or, you know, with COVID, they got laid off and they need to learn some new skills. How do you get involved with SAMSAT? Like, what are the first steps to get to get started? Well, in a, in a typical environment, we'd say, hey, come on, take a look and get excited and have a fun afternoon. And then we'll tell you about all our educational programs. That all stopped about a year ago, as you well know. <laughs> Uh, and so we continued our engagement online. We've got a whole series of classes and activities and summer camps and so on that you can do online right now. And in that you can, by choosing a particular subject matter area and taking a few classes and doing a project, you can earn a badge in a particular area like aerospace or computer technology. And so right now, one of those badges is, hey, that's cool, I was in class. But when you start adding them together, what we're working on is, is basically something called the SAMSAT Academy, where those badges begin to mean something to other people, and a whole set of them qualifies you to various ranks, much like the Girl Scouts or the Boy Scouts, where by the time you finish and you get your Girl Scout Gold Award or your Boy Scout Eagle Scout, it means something on your resume. We're even partnering with some with uh, Alamo Colleges on recognizing those uh, and getting college credit for some, some of those classes. So that by the time you finish high school, you can already have some of your college done and move easily into other either training programs or academic programs at the community college or UTSA or wherever you want to do it. So I guess the first thing to get involved is take a look at our website now and soon we'll be able to invite you back and see the, the facility, particularly when the Innovation Center opens across the street. In your opinion, Doug, what makes San Antonio different? I mean, you've been all over. You've been in Seattle. You've been in Washington, D.C. I'm sure you've been other, oh, St. Louis. I'm sure you've been other places as well. But, you know, what makes San Antonio unique in your opinion? Well, I have to say I, I started all of that moving around the country in a town in Central California, Fresno, California. And the demographics there remind me an awful lot of San Antonio. Fresno's not as big, but the kids I grew up with, most of them their parents were migrant farm workers. Uh, I was the rich kid on the block because my dad was a teacher, you know, but you go back a generation before that and his dad was a coal miner. And so everybody has somebody in the family that changes the trajectory of that family. You know, my grandpa from West Virginia went out to California to find his fortune and worked in a lumber mill and worked in a train station his whole life so that my dad could go to college. And my dad 
taught his whole life so that I could go to college. And then it's kind of expected what my kids are going to do. I'm real proud of them. They've gone off and done, done good things. But unless somebody shows you that pathway, it's hard for a family. And so here in San Antonio, the whole south and west side of town, it's a delightful, stimulating, interesting place to be. But it's also very underserved in terms of the uh, opportunities for kids and their families to take advantage of some of the great education that goes on here or even some of the great facilities. So I started coming here 20 years ago when I married a woman from San Antonio. And I, 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 admit, I always thought of it as a, a neat place to go visit the in-laws, especially in the winter, you know, when it was cold in St. Louis or Seattle. But when we moved here basically three years ago and really started paying close attention, it's a wonderful community, its own vibrancy, its own 350-year history, uh, its own dynamics from all these different cultures that, that met and merged here and created a great town. So we don't have to turn San Antonio into Austin or Santa Clara or Seattle to make it successful. It's already a successful community. We just need to equip it with the, with the skills to, to make it economically successful in the 21st century. I love living here. I love being involved here. And I hope we can keep the good feeling that exists already in this town and involve everybody. It's a place where people can just come. It's a melting pot. But you're right. There's a lot of underserved, underprivileged places. And so, you know, with COVID, do you feel that y'all have been able to maybe reach more people now because it is online? No, it's been really interesting. We formed some great partnerships with people like the Housing Authority, uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs, the Girl Scouts, the uh, San Antonio Methodist Ministries, the people that are serving people directly, making the connections of where people already know someone and trust. So we did a great program with the Housing Authority, for example, sponsored by Boeing, where at first we were taking the geek bus there. All of a sudden we couldn't take the geek bus there and continued it online. The kids did a whole series of programs. They're helped at the end by a group of mentors from Boeing, learn about aerospace jobs and they do aerospace projects. And at the end they get an aerospace badge and oh yeah, they get a computer. And it's often the first one in the family. And so then you're into how do we all use it? And so, and so, yeah, it's been it's been delightful to see how many organizations there are trying to make sure that hey, people have enough place to live and enough to eat, and then beyond that, they got useful things for them and their kids to be doing. I, I'm sure it's been a tough time, but it's introduced us to some really wonderful partners in the community, Boeing, CPS, Microsoft. A lot of people are, are interested in investing in this. And so we are at my favorite part of the interview. So Doug, this is going to be a two-part question. So okay. what is the legacy that SAMHSA is trying to leave here in San Antonio? And also what legacy are you personally trying to leave here? Well, it's interesting. Um, we talked about the Geek Bus and, and David and, and SAMHSA, and they came together with a, a big vision. The idea that a facility like this, a physical facility, and the outreach into the community could really make a difference. I think that vision's actually gotten bigger during the pandemic and with the work the port's done and seeing the, the human connections that you can make with the whole family, not just with the young person. Uh, the vision is to be a world-class educational slash museum facility that inspires the future. And you do that by having a physical place that the tourists and the, and the locals can come and have a great time and experience and and have that aha moment we talked about. It's going to be fun and interesting. We've learned that over the years in the museum world. San Antonio's already got some great examples of that with the museum and witty and zoo. Tremendous. Great places to go. And then you build on that as becoming a great educational institution through the programming we do, and particularly with partners that are already uh, trying to accomplish the same goals in the community. 
I mentioned a few of those, but you know, school district by school district, when this pandemic is hopefully behind us, the relationship between parents and schools and organizations like ours is going to be different than it ever was. How can we all support education online when it need be, in person better, uh, in groups of people that look and act like me that I can identify with and it's cool to be part of, and then really be able to say we made a difference in young people's lives. So that's the vision, and uh, it hasn't been dimmed at all by having not being able to take the same pathway. I'd say it's been raised. This facility across the street is going to be here a year from now. Schools are going to be back in some form. We're going to be here doing programs. We, we take our time now to figure out how all that's going to work. I think we can affect a lot of young people. And what about for yourself? What legacy would you want to leave for yourself? Well, that's interesting. Uh, somebody asked me that the other day. Why are you doing this? I thought you were finished, you know, a couple of years ago. When I look back in, in the Challenger Center, you know, I'm, I'm real proud to have been part of that at the beginning. There's still 50 of those around the country, including a great one, maybe the best one in the country right here at San Antonio, San Antonio College. You know, kids go fly a space mission because the families of the Challenger crew got together 35 years ago. The parents of the kids that are there today weren't even born. It's not about remembering some horrible accident that I remember. It's about having a great experience that, have, that opens their eyes to wow. In, in St. Louis or Seattle, it's, it's not the buildings that we built or the number of programs that we put on. It's the, the names of individual young people that I know lives are different because of what we did. There's a young fellow named Vincent Hathaway who lived on the north side of St. Louis. It was a tremendously racially divided community. You know, the whole community is about 3 million people, but the city is only about 300,000 people, the heart of it. And it's 50-50 black and white. It's about 80-20 black and white in the public school district because most of the white kids are going to parochial schools. And so here we were right, sitting right in the middle of that, but only about 10% of our people that came to the museum were from the African-American community. It took a couple of years. It took some great partners at the Boys and Girls Club, the north side of town, the African-American side of town, to help us understand how to get those kids interested. What, what made it cool? Be, what made parents think it's okay for their kids to go off someplace that they never went? How did they answer when the kids started asking them questions they didn't know the answers to? You know, something called the Youth Exploring Science Program started, involved young people in the eighth grade, helped them figure out how to get through high school, helped them go on past that. And I got to stand in this football stadium at Grambling University with Vincent Hathaway when he became the first YES student to graduate from college. Vincent's dad was a drug dealer. He kicked him out of the house for trying to be too white. And yet Vincent persevered through that program and helped us modify it so that it involved a lot of other kids. And Vincent's a dentist now in Maryland. That means a lot more with two great kids growing up, you know, and as he said, real involved in the museums in that area. And so seeing the difference we made in his life or in, in other young people's lives is what motivated me. And I've already met an awful lot of them here in San Antonio that have been affected by the work that Scott and David and the rest of the Cliffs in Graf and the rest of the people who have worked in this organization a lot longer than I have made in their lives. And last question for you here, Doug, uh, what advice would you give to someone who maybe hasn't visited SAMSAT, maybe what, what you would say to, to children and the youth that are interested in STEM? What would you say to those individuals? I'd say we'd, we'd love to have you out here uh, in one of our summer camps, we'd love to have you come, you know, to bring your parents along and we'll give you a good time and show you some fun stuff. And more importantly, hey, take a look at this. Um, you're going to need, it's like, as I said before, it's like learning the alphabet. And there's some great careers out here that you probably never really thought about uh, that you could do 
if you're interested in them. I'll never forget in Seattle that our, our, we had an aviation high school there for kids that were real interested in aviation careers. But one of the graduates said to me a couple of years ago, hey, Mr. King, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going into an aviation career. I got a full scholarship to go to the USC film school. Like, don't apologize, man, for what you're interested in in eighth grade. Go make movies about airplanes, you know? But now you've got the basics that you, you need to go be successful when you figure out what it is you want to do in life. I had a friend from the Challenger Center named uh, Kathy Sullivan. She was the first American woman to walk in space. She was an astronaut. She went on to do wonderful things, including major jobs in Washington, D.C. And she always said, it's not about trying to convince kids to do something in particular. It's about giving them the skills they'll need later. You pick up this, you pick up that. You know, Kathy was a geologist, but she did this and she did that. And all of a sudden, some people were advertising for astronauts. And she looked around and said, it's like a computer game. I have all the skills. So she applied and went to space. She helped launch the Hubble telescope. Uh, and she went on to be the head of the Great Science Museum in Columbus, Ohio. The point is that check it out. Don't let somebody tell you it's not cool. And I would say the same if you're interested in music or interested in art or anything else. And somebody tells you that's not cool, check it out. So come out here to Sam's Dad, go to the Witty, go to the zoo, look around and say, wow, that's pretty neat. I, how could I do that job? And there's a bunch of people at all those places that will help show you how to get there. Well, it has been such a pleasure interviewing you and I could listen. You have a whole laundry list of stories that I could just sit and listen to all day. And it's so cool to hear, you know, the success stories that are being put out, not only here in San Antonio, but in other cities. Since everything's kind of online now, we want to give you a little bit of time to to kind of, um, you know, plug SAMSAT. Where can we find you on social media, your website, all of that? Where can people go to, to get involved? Thank you so much. The website's really simple. It's samsat.org. And take a look, you'll see all of this on there. Right now, as I said, you can sign up for individual classes. You can sign up for one of our badge programs. If there's one of those that looks interesting. Uh, if you're looking at it and have questions, um, there's a phone number. We'd love to have you call and talk to one of our education folks and say, you know, my kid is interested in this or I'm interested in this. We love, we love it when young people call. And we will be doing all of those in person as soon as it's safe. We, with the help of the port, have just opened major new facility, the David Monroe Education Center, uh, that has the room to do a ton of educational programming uh, that'll be picking up again this fall, excuse me, this summer, and then into the fall when we think schools will be somewhat back to normal. So right now we're doing the workforce training that I talked about in there. So we, we do have those programs available right now. If you're, if you're interested at all in our computer literacy class or in some of the other the, classes we'll be doing that basically introduce you to job skills. If you're an adult, please take a look at SAMSAT slash workforce on that website. Now, I just said that to people who may not have computer skills. And so they probably wouldn't be watching this podcast if they don't. But tell, tell people about it. If you know somebody, you got a brother, a sister, a grandmother, whatever, that, that's sort of intimidated by this stuff, tell them about it. And that's exactly who we're trying to reach. Well, thank you again, Doug, for joining us today on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and sharing your story even. We really I, appreciate it. I just like to add one other thing. I keep talking about involving people in our programming. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It's been a tough year for all nonprofits. Uh, we really appreciate the people, some of whom I mentioned, who have supported us. There are others like Broadway Bank and uh, Taylor West Advertising and others who've been important in helping us keep going. If anybody is with a company or that supports organizations like ours, or if they can help us, we really would appreciate any kinds of financial support. And we're willing to talk to any partners about working together to go get financial support on projects that they're working with. 
For sure. I'm glad you mentioned that. And and so listeners, you can actually visit samsat.org slash donate to check out more and find out other ways you can show we your love support. love that one. Interested that one, yeah. But Doug, thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And I've looked at some of the other ones. You guys are doing a great job for the community. Well, thank you so much. We, we definitely appreciate that. So listeners, that's going to do it for the interview and this segment of the SA Talk podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to our third segment where Amanda and I will give our thoughts on today's guest. So stay tuned. From coast to coast, from the Great Lakes to the Gulf, at Spectrum Reach, we make local businesses big and big brands look local with the best content, insights, products, and people. Be on every screen with that one idea you need to turn a consumer into your customer. We're the most trusted media partner in America. And we're also your neighbors. Welcome to Spectrum Reach. Let us show you around the neighborhood. Grow your business. Go to SpectrumReach.com to get started. Thank you for listening to this archived episode of the original SA Talk podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more content, you'll want to hit that subscribe or follow button depending on which podcast platform you are using. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I do also ask that you please give us a rate and review. That really helps the podcast grow. Lastly, if you want to keep up with the podcast, check us out on social media at SAPod Network. Take care and Viva San Antonio. Thank you.